It's only fitting, I believe, that we begin this conference by allowing the Bible to define the gospel. Amen. And if we want the definition of the gospel, we had better make sure that we go to the book. Amen. Not men's opinions or men's ideas or that which seems to be successful or fashioned after the philosophy of pragmatism. But we had better go to the Word of God. And you know, sadly, there's a raging debate today in regards to the interpretation of the gospel. Questions abound. Amen. What exactly should be communicated when the gospel is preached? Are there different, you know, variations of the gospel? Different interpretations? Are there different ways that we can communicate, amen, the gospel? You know, I believe that there is one gospel. I believe there is one gospel. Hallelujah. And I believe that the gospel reflects the immutable nature of God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Amen. That tells me that His gospel doesn't change. But wicked men inspired by evil spirits of religion have somehow crept into the church, subtly tampering with how the gospel is perceived in this hour. In some circles, the gospel has been so mishandled, so so misappropriated, so reinvented that it's hardly recognizable when you compare it next to the New Testament. You know this is true, amen? That which they try to palm off in the name of Jesus Christ in this hour, it's a pity and it's a shame. And it makes angels weep to see what men try to attach to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is. Confusion often reigns as the real message and the real method of of the gospel, amen, is tried, you know, to be understood and perceived. Amazingly, today, all that's necessary to offend most professing Christians is just simply preach the gospel to them, amen? You know, all the time, you're out preaching, you're out declaring Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and some perhaps well-meaning, maybe even sincere professing believer has a lot of different ideas of the way you ought to do it. Amen. He never thought about doing it himself, but he wants to tell you how to do it. Amen. What a terrible pitiful shame. And what blindness there is in the church. I cannot go to the foot of a mountain and tell a man how to climb it if I've never been to the summit myself. What arrogance. What foolishness. You cannot know the doctrine, Jesus said, unless you do his will. And you cannot know what evangelism is unless you seek to do the will of God and practice it yourself. But you know, the devil knows if he strikes at the very heart of our spirituality, and the gospel is the heart of what we are as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, if he can touch that, then we're in trouble indeed. Psalms 11 and 3 says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can the righteous do? This is the situation we find ourselves in tonight. Let me tell you something here. Gospel preacher, aspiring evangelist, man, you say you're called to preach the gospel to the sinner. If you're going to stay true to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to be required of you that you constantly go back to the book, that you constantly open the pages of the Bible, amen, that you allow this word, amen, to be your Lord, to be governed by the word 
word of God. Amen. To allow this word to fashion you as an evangelist. Amen. You're going to receive very little encouragement from the modern church. But there will be a thousand naysayers to tell you that you're going to hurt somebody's feelings if you tell them they're going to hell. Oh, to God, somebody would have told me that I was on my way to hell when I was a sinner. I may not have liked it then, but I tell you what, when I got born again, the first thought that came to me, why didn't somebody tell me what kind of danger that I was in? It's not love to withhold the truth. No matter how brutal it may seem to be, somebody has to cry aloud. Someone has to spare not and lift up their voice like a trumpet in this hour. But to do that, we've got to go back to the Word of God and regain our bearings. Amen. There may be doubt that will flow against you. There may be questions that will come in the Spirit. After particularly rough times in the open air as you preach the Gospel, the devil will be there to paint the question mark in your mind. You've got to go to the Bible. I said you've got to go to the Bible. And as you let the Word of God bathe over your spirit, Spirit, you will hear that still small voice say, This is the way. Walk therein. Amen. This is exactly, though, what we're going to do here tonight. We're going to go to the Bible and we're going to read here out of Revelations chapter 14. You know, perhaps one of the most unexpected books to turn to, to look for the definition of the gospel, but we're going to find it right here. In Revelations chapter 14, beginning in chapter 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. And worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations to drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we do trust you here tonight. We trust you, Lord, for your word, Father God. Your anointed word, a timely word. Lord, that you would speak here tonight to every heart. 
We desperately need you, Lord God. We need that living word, Lord, to cut to the quick, Lord God. We need the living word of God to build faith. We need the word of God to tear away, Lord God, that outer foreskin of the heart, to circumcise us afresh in spirit, in mind, Lord, that we would have ears to hear. Help us here tonight. Quicken us, Lord, according to thy word and strengthen us to do your will. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say it. Amen to God. Tonight our message, the everlasting gospel. The everlasting gospel. And that word everlasting, the original Greek there, it means eternal, it means perpetual, it means both past, present, and future. It means always the same. Amen. This is the gospel that never changes, is never altered. Amen. It is the eternal Word of God. Amen. If Jesus is the Word, and the Word is the Lord Jesus Christ, and they are one and the same in character and in essence, amen, then if Jesus cannot change, how can the gospel change? Amen. It's it's illogical and uncertain scriptural unscriptural to assume that it could but as we've heard the greek word translated throughout the new testament into our english word gospel literally means good message or good news how many of you heard that before amen that's what it literally means but this only tells us that the gospel of jesus christ is good and holy it's virtuous it's right and to this agree we disagree with the idea this definition being misapplied that it's a good message meaning everyone will like it the bible teaches exactly the opposite amen it says that jesus was despised and rejected of men. Jesus said the world will hate you. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So just simply the definition of the word gospel doesn't really give us, you know, a full and clear understanding of what the message of Jesus is. But I believe by examining our text, we can gain valuable insight into the biblical gospel. Amen. The very spiritual tone and the tenor of its essence and its nature. And I see five specifics here from this text that will enlighten us better. It will give us a better understanding of the true gospel. Amen. I believe this will encourage the man that wants to be true to the Word of God. I believe this will strengthen and edify the individual that's led by the Holy Ghost. Because the Bible says the Holy Ghost, when he comes, He will reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And any preacher that doesn't preach, amen, a message that condemns sin, that exalts holiness, and warns sinners of judgment to come, that individual's not led of the Holy Ghost. But we're going to see that the Word and the Spirit agree in one. Amen. These five specifics are 
are the messengers, the audience, the method, the message, and the response. The messengers, the audience, the method, the message, and the response of the everlasting gospel as described by the word of God. First of all, we see the messengers. He said, I saw another angel. I want you to notice, first off here tonight, the preachers in our text, they're not men, but they're angels. Amen. And we know that angels are holy, they're heavenly, they're sinless beings. This is an important observation for our thought here tonight for two reasons. Number one, amen, because it irrefutably verifies their message as pure and flawless. Would anybody question that, amen? These are not fallen men, amen. These are the angels of God, pure and flawless. No one can accuse them of getting in the flesh. No one can tell them, you're too judgmental, too critical, you're too extreme. You've hurt somebody's feelings. Perhaps you're striking out selfishly. No, no. These are sent directly from the throne of God. They've got no sin nature to corrupt their message. So first of all, we can stand sure. We can be encouraged. We can speak with confidence. I know this is already in the Bible, amen, and I know God's Word doesn't lie. But not only that, we're speaking about holy angels that are preaching this message. This message is of God. Nobody can argue with that. But I'll tell you what, if most people in the church today heard angels preaching this, they'd rebuke them as demons. They'd rebuke them as devils. But secondly, it establishes without question an unchanging requirement of practical holiness for the gospel preacher. They were holy angels, friend. I can tell you what, the only men that are qualified to preach this gospel are men made holy by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Men that have been sanctified. Men that have been blood-bought. Men that have been filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not qualified to preach the gospel. I said you're not qualified to preach the gospel. It speaks of consecration. It speaks of purity. It speaks of a vessel, meat for the master's use. You know, think about it. If the Bible says that no man shall see the Lord without holiness, how are we going to point men to Jesus without it either? Oh no, if my, if my eyes are obscured from the person of Christ because of sin, how can I lead others to Him? Any sin, any flesh, any compromise, any rebellion will defile the gospel declaration. You must be resolved to believe this. Can you give me a scripture, preacher? Amen. Chapter and verse, a little leaven, leaveneth the whole love. You say, well, nobody else goes about my sin. Mom and daddy may not know. Amen. Your husband and wife may not know. Your children, your friends, your closest acquaintances may not know. But just because it's hidden doesn't mean its influence is negated. No, no. If there's sin there, 
Make no mistake. If your conscience, listen to me. I preached a message last week. How the Apostle Paul, he exercised himself. He trained himself to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and man. If your conscience of sin, amen, you cannot have confidence before God. You cannot have confidence before God. And you cannot truly be a, a vessel of blessing in the earth. You must be sanctified by the power of the Holy Ghost. You must repent of all known sin. You must forsake all rebellion. You must believe God for the blood of the Lamb to cleanse you. Listen to me. I stand here tonight. I know that no man can live holy in and of himself. It's only through Jesus and the grace of God. But all things are possible to him that believeth. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ believes God for deliverance from all sin. You cannot demand that men forsake their sin when you won't forsake yours. You cannot call men to a repentance that you deny yourself. You must be honest and transparent with God Almighty. Those angels were holy. Amen. That speaks to us. We must be holy men by the grace of God. The message is only as infallible as the messenger. You know, gospel communication is not merely intellectual, though it involves the intellect. It is spirit, and it must be life. It's Jesus using a redeemed, sanctified vessel of clay. Amen. A habitation that He can dwell in and manifest Himself through. It's not about just merely speaking to someone's mind and convincing them of a few spiritual facts. It is power. I said it's power. It's Holy Ghost moral leverage upon that conscience. And no man can possess that if he's got a divided heart. He must be sanctified Himself. Amen. If you and I are going to accurately represent Jesus, then we must be the gospel that we preach. Above all, the judgment of God must begin at the house of God. If I'm going to judge, listen to me, according to God's pattern of judgment, then I've got to begin with me and mine. I've got to begin with me and mine. If we ever get out of that that pattern, out of kilter, amen, then we're going to bring everything down on our head. Amen. The first thing is the messengers. Holy, 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 holy. They've tried to alter that message. Oh, it's a hated message. Amen. But the gospel is a message of holiness. Amen. This gospel makes men free from their sin. The second thing is the audience. Having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. And oh, what a glorious, glorious truth as revealed here in this verse. I can remember as a young street preacher out preaching and Christians lining up to tell me how wrong I was. And it's true, there were times that I needed to be corrected. Thank God there were times that people were sent to me that were truly led of God and I needed to hear them. But they always spoke according to the Word of God and not just out of their opinions or their feelings. Amen. They had something to say out of the Word 
Word of God. Amen. But I can tell you this. So many people told me, Amen, you can't, you know, preach this way to that one. He's a rapper. You're going to have to rap to him. And he's a headbanger. Do a little headbanging with him. And that's a Peruvian Indian. He's four foot tall. You're too tall. You're going to offend him. Send some short person over there. Amen. Utter and complete foolishness. I can remember I went home one night. That's how this message was born. I read through the Bible and I got to Revelations 14 and 6. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. My word and my gospel is fit. It is perfect. I said it's perfect. Amen. And it is the universal message for every man of every age, of every nation, of every kindred and every tongue. There's not a lot of different gospels for him. There's one. There's only one eternal, unchanging, unalterable gospel of Christ. And it is for everyone, past, present, and future. You know, there's that false concept today that promotes a diversity of messages and a diversity of methods within the gospel. Now, I would offer a qualification. I realize maybe I'm not going to, you know, be nose to nose with every person that I preach, amen, I preach to or evangelize to. But there's a very, 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 very narrow road that we must stay on as we preach the gospel that message never changes and that method is always the preaching of the word of God hallelujah always you know what I tell you tonight look at this verse don't ever doubt again there's only one way amen it's a lie. There's not a lot of different Gospels. There's only one universal message to all mankind, to every nation, every kindred tongue, and people. And could anything be more plain than how it is explained or displayed here in this verse? You know, the problem with a 16th century peasant and the problem with a 21st century executive is the same. Sin has separated him from God. And there's only one remedy, and that remedy is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. As John the Baptist, who God chose to introduce Jesus to humanity, as He declared, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. There's nowhere else to point to. There's nothing else to exalt. There is no other remedy. Amen. The gospel is the answer to every human dilemma. It is the truth and it makes free. Amen. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said there is no greater fallacy than to think that you need a gospel for special types of people. Oh, it's humanism. It's the modern gospel, amen? And it's so perverted and so brought leaven into the church. Even the most conservative churches, amen? And listen to me. The real problem is we're ashamed of the Word of God because it's unpopular. That's really the root problem. And we try to use, you know, the doctrines of love and mercy. And we try to cloak our cowardice, amen, in the truth. But God knows better, amen. Somebody has to speak the truth in love. The third thing we see is the method. Oh, I love this. Saying with a loud voice. You ought not scream like that. You're going to scare people. 
You know, I, I challenge you sometimes, just get your Bible out and look through the New Testament and see, amen, when the Holy Ghost came on people, how they speak with a loud voice. I, I'm not saying that every time that happens, you've got to speak with a loud voice, but there's nothing wrong with that, amen. I said there's nothing wrong with it. Notice the message is delivered with authority and with boldness. In a word, it was preached, amen. He didn't whisper this message. He didn't rap it. He didn't sing it. He didn't have a puppet show. He didn't send mimes, amen. Didn't paint, you know, the faces of the angels, hallelujah. He didn't send them dressed up in a clown suit. They came a-preaching the Word of God. They lifted up their voice and declared, Thus saith the Lord Almighty! That is the method of God. It is preaching. And preaching by strict biblical definition is to publicly herald. Amen. It means to go often uninvited and unwanted into fallen humanity. And do what? Appease them? No, no. Do what? Affirm their sin? No, no. To confront them and confront the spiritual reality of their impatience. And that's an unpopular thing. Nobody, especially folks that are filled with pride, want to be told that they're wrong. Notice the angel here isn't timid, but delivers his message with clarity, with spiritual force, and with all confidence, all cloaked in a loud voice. Amen. But today, when you go out into the open air and lift up your voice, immediately come the old mys and the now-nows. It's not wise, brother, to shout at the folks. People will never listen to you like that. Haven't you heard the old saying you win more flies with honey and with vinegar amen that's of the world friend i'm not trying to win amen flies i'm trying to preach the gospel but i tell you this hour they come to say that's not wisdom brother really proverbs chapter one says wisdom crieth without what's that mean shout hallelujah wisdom lifts up its voice it speaks the Word of God. Amen. The wisdom of God. Amen. I said, I tell you, the wisdom of God is rejected of men. The wisdom of God was Jesus Christ. And the Bible said the princes of this world crucified that wisdom. Amen. The Bible admonishes us. We're going to have to become like fools in this world. Amen. If we're going to truly be wise. The Bible tells us that the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the gospel is foolishness to those who perish. We've got to be willing to do it God's way. Can you explain why it's that way? I don't know why. I just know it says it. And we must submit to it. Amen. God never called me to figure everything out. He never called me to understand all the Bible. He only commanded me to believe it. He commanded me to believe it. We must understand. The gospel is not a suggestion, but a proclamation. It is to be sounded with authority. Amen. It is to demand that men stop sinning right now. Forsake your sin. Quit breaking the law of God. And turn to Jesus Christ in faith. Cast yourself upon the Lord Jesus and be delivered, set free, forgiven, and recreated in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that declaration 
that we must be faithful to. And rebellion, of course, hates that anybody would demand anything of it. Had a young man out of the strip club Friday night. Amen. I pulled him aside, tried to reason with him. And I said, God commands you to repent. He said, I don't let anybody tell me what to do. I said, well, you're being honest. You're a rebel. You see, just because someone tells them, they don't want to do it. It's the authority. And authority of the Word causes rebellion to be manifest. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. They're the ones who have to live with what they say. Amen. They may never know. Amen. Had a man the other night, Friday night, came out rapping and cursing and blaspheming. I mean, he was one of the most vilest young men that I've ever seen in my entire 21 years of open air ministry. But you know, he was clean cut. He was there from Woodville, a little rural town in southwest Mississippi. And I, I suggest that if you would run into him at the Exxon station, he would say, yes, sir, and no, ma'am. He'd have probably been very mad. You'd have never thought he was capable of that, and neither did he. Amen. But he said what he said because the gospel. Amen. You say, oh, you forced that young man to do that. You preach into him. You caused him to do that. No, the gospel exposed what he was. That latent hatred. That enmity, that opposition of the carnal mind was challenged and exposed. It was smoked out by the gospel fire. And now he's got to live. I didn't blaspheme God that night. He did. I said he did. And thank God that's the way, amen, to healing. Amen. The law of God is a schoolmaster to bring men to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we can't stomach the blood in this hour. Someone get a little upset and we get cold feet it's going to have to get a lot worse before it gets better men are going to have to be exposed for what they are so they themselves can see amen how many times have i heard men say that after they've been preached to and threatened and you know blaspheme and then come back a week later and say i went home and i couldn't sleep i thought to myself why did I hate what they said so much? You know, we don't hear that very much. Just like how many times when you were under conviction, did you ring up the Christians and tell them, you know, I'm under conviction. God's dealing with me. You didn't do that. We don't know what's happening, but it is. I said it is when you preach the Word of God. You've got to believe that. The Word of God cannot return void. Amen. But uh, the wisdom of God, it shouts, it cries without. We must understand. Amen. It's not a suggestion. The Apostle Paul coveted prayer from the Ephesian church in regards to his gospel delivery, saying that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. He knew by the Holy Ghost this is the way the gospel ought to be preached. It's not for the timid. It's not for me to perhaps. No, no. I've got to tell men what says the Lord. Again, the spirit of religion hates life, but life is often manifested by spiritual authority, activity, and excitement. If we believe what we preach, how can we do so without passion and without sobriety? You know, sinners often come and ask, you know, when you're preaching the gospel, you look grieved. I thought you were supposed to have joy. 
No, I, I am grieved, and I ought to be, because you perish before my eyes. The only reason you're not grieved is because you don't see what I see. Oh, preacher, you look angry. Oh, no, I'm not angry. I'm furious. I'm furious. I'm furious because I see sin destroying you. I see God, amen, holy, who sent his son Jesus Christ, and you're trampling underfoot the blood of the Lamb. When Jesus cleansed that temple, amen, you say that was love? Absolutely, because God was love, amen. But he did that for the love of God. Not so much for the love of them. He was motivated by love, but for the love of God. You've turned my father's house that he intended for prayer into a den of thieves. Oh, yes, sometimes we're made motivated by love for men. Other times we must be motivated by love for God Almighty. But, you know, listen to me. There must be, if we see rightly, amen, my eye affecteth my heart, said the prophet. What I see, truly see in the Spirit, is going to affect me. If a car would come plunging off this gravel road out of control into this sanctuary and burst into flames and a family of children would roll out on fire, amen, because we see it and we experience it we would show great emotion and if we really see spiritual reality like we ought to see and God wants us to see and God will grant us sight he will howl amen we cannot keep the law we cannot do the will of God without a vision the people perish we must see we must see spiritual reality as it is amen but you know if we do there's going to be a certain sobriety a certain grief amen Ian Bounds said a ministry that saves people from sin and prepares them for heaven must be a serious ministry. No light gospel can meet the serious demands of this serious work. The gospel of fun may draw, but it cannot save. It may please, but not edify. The gospel never appeals to the fun-loving side of our nature. Its work is done by restraining or ignoring the lighter elements and basing its operations on the profound and the weighty elements of our being. Christ and His gospel are the most serious expressions of God. It is the gospel of the cross, bathed in tears, blood, and crowned with death. Christ's gospel can only reach and save by breaking hearts. Listen to me, if we see rightly, amen, I'll tell you what, our method will be wrought with sobriety, amen, and our method will confirm our rhetoric, amen. We say we believe in a burning hell. We must act like it. We must act like it, amen. You know, I believe a lot of sinners on the day of judgment, they observed us. Perhaps they only saw us for a moment in time as they entered in to some establishment that we were preaching at, and that they saw us light and giddy and not concentrating and now listen to me, this reproves me, amen, just like anyone else. This is constantly ever before me to reprove me, amen. And I wonder, I think, oh, on the day of judgment, some man says, I saw you, preacher. I saw you out there in front of the bar. I saw you there out in front of the rock concert, amen. And you were belly laughing over there with your friends, amen. And I didn't think you were serious because you didn't act serious. 
What would we think if a family burning to death in our very presence and we were over here telling jokes to one another? Amen. Some would say they must be blind. They must be detached from reality. Oh, man, turn around. Can't you see people perish? You see, this must be where we are. And only the Holy Ghost can do this for us. Amen. But make no mistake, old-fashioned fire and brimstone preaching, it is affirmed rather, amen, than refuted by the Scriptures. Amen. I, I like what the old preacher said. Checked into a hotel, and a, and a porter there looked at him wide-eyed. Said, you a holiness preacher? He said, there's no other kind. There's no other kind. Every gospel evangelist, every one, amen, is a hell and fire and brimstone preacher because he must warn of judgment to come. The next thing we see is the message, amen, and there's four elements of this message that we need to see for our consideration. And I think when you really look at this, it is a bit alarming. It may challenge our understanding of the gospel. It's as they said with a loud voice. They had something to say. What did they talk about? The first thing they talked about was the fear of God. They said, fear God. Not a suggestion, a command. Amen. They preached the fear of the Lord. But you know, sadly, the fear of God, very unpopular doctrine in this hour, because we are apostate. And we've fallen away from the persons of God, the person of God. We've become a shame. We've tried, you know, preacher after preacher, theologian after theologian has told us over and over again. Amen. That doesn't mean what you think it means. It means reverence. That's what it means. And true, amen, you're looking at it up and strong. There's one, you know, what reverence, amen. But it also means holy dread. Amen. I remember as a young Christian looking there in the Hebrew at that word, the same word that's translated fear in Proverbs chapter 1 where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. And I looked through the Bible at different places and I saw, amen, where the army of Israel went out before Goliath and says their knees smote together for fear. That's the same exact word. Amen. It doesn't mean just reverence. And in our vernacular, I believe that misrepresents what it means. Amen. The Bible says we're to sanctify God as our dread and our fear. Oh, I want to fear God. I want to tremble before His Word. He is to be feared. What does that mean? I don't want to be found facing God as His opponent. I don't want to stand before God opposing Him. And if I do find myself in that position, or if you tonight are in that position, you have every reason to be utterly terrified. And that is the truth. And any preacher that says otherwise is a liar. The greatest, listen to me, the greatest, the most awful and horrific thing that we face as a culture is God Himself. It's God. Because we have set ourselves against Him. Amen. And He is against us as long as we persist. Amen. In our lack of repentance. The fear of the Lord is a foundational doctrine of the Bible. Amen. It's the beginning of wisdom and understanding. And there can be no true conversion apart from fear. You know, God deals with a man first on a moral plane. 
I can remember, amen, coming under conviction as a sinner. Amen. I knew I'm in trouble with God. That's what I knew. That was the beginning. It's not the end. It's not the primary motivation for serving God. The primary motivation to serve God is to love Him supremely. But the beginning, the first, the first step, the first moment, the first lesson is the fear of the Lord. Amen. And we shouldn't undermine that in any way. There can be no true conversion apart from fear. By the fear of the Lord, the Bible says men depart from evil. They cannot depart from evil without fear. In this hour, the God that's presented from most evangelists and most pulpits makes it utterly impossible to fear Him. Because the God that we always hear about is the God that tolerates sin, the God that defines His revivals by laughter. Amen. Everything is fun and games. There's nothing to fear. He's too good to ever cast anybody into hell. Perhaps maybe Hitler or somebody like that. But the fear of God has been undermined because another God and another Jesus and another gospel has been preached. Oh, I tell you the truth, saying, I want to fear God. I want to fear Him. I want to fear God. I want to fear Him. I know He loves me and I love Him, but I yearn to fear God. He is to be feared. I'm man and He's God. We're the creatures and He is the high, the transcendent creator. He is be above and beyond. He is so other than we are. We are unworthy to even look upon Him. If it were not for the mercies of the Lord, we would be consumed. And we are to fear Him. We are to fear Him. Oh, but Jesus... Amen. I'm glad that I know that he preached the fear of the Lord. He encouraged it. He said, but I will forewarn you. He's given a warning. I'll forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Oh, those are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. The faithful preacher is the man who truly unveils the nature of God, who preaches the Christ with whom men must give an account. It's not about whether people like us or don't like us. It's not about whether people understand us or don't understand us. The only thing that matters is that I say what he wants me to say the way that he wants it said. Amen to glorify Him, to obey Him, to be an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ, to love Him with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength, to stand in the gate and to proclaim, Thus saith the Lord, Amen, to make up the heads, to be an intercessor, to stand in the stead of Jesus Christ as His body in the earth. That's the only thing that matters. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they think. The only thing that matters is to do what he said to do. The second thing, and this leads me to my point, we're talking about the message, four aspects. The first aspect was the fear of the Lord. The second one, give God glory. Give Him glory. For the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him. 
that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. A.W. Tozer said, always and always, God must be first. The gospel in its scriptural context puts the glory of God first and the salvation of man second. Absolutely. You know, people are alarmed many times when they come. What, what's your reason for being out here? To obey and to glorify God. They expect me to say to win souls. Oh my, I, that, I am here for that. I want that to happen. But first and foremost, really, really the chasm is so great. It is a distant second. The first and foremost, to obey God. Because I can't do anything for anybody anyway. Why would I try to manipulate? If I get involved in this, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. I just leave that to Him. Amen. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How do you want it said? Oh, but that doesn't make sense. So it doesn't matter whether it, may. it doesn't seem like people are going to receive. We get in trouble when we try to rationalize with the Word of God. His ways are not our ways. And His thoughts are not our thoughts. You see, faith, is it becomes, it takes on the characteristic of a little child. It just says, yea and amen to the Word of God. Yea and amen to the Word of God. But to give God glory is to render to Him what is rightfully His. First Corinthians 6 and 20, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So you see the connotation or the implications here are many. But we could say in a nutshell, this is the message of obedience, the message of consecration, the message of holiness, the Lordship of Christ. Amen. Above all things, glorifying God means for me to allow Him to govern my life supremely or absolutely. Amen. The popular theology of today teaches, though, that holiness, consecration, and obedience is legalism. That's what they teach. But the saint is no longer under the obligation to fulfill the moral law. That's a lie. Amen. Love. Is the fulfilling of the law. The Bible says if we walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. It says we will fulfill the law if we obey the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. It's just a natural outflow of a life submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Faith without works is dead. That means if I don't produce holiness, amen, I'm not saved by what I do, but the faith that does save me is obedient faith. It's obedient faith. Amen. But Wesley stated in his day, the antinomians, amen, they believe that a preacher ought not to exhort to good works, not to unbelievers because it's hurtful, not to believers because it's needless. Sound familiar? No new thing under the sun. Amen. Let me tell you something. God expects every man on planet earth, past, present, and future, to obey every law. He expects it. And if he didn't expect it, he couldn't hold men accountable. Now he knows, amen, that they're in rebellion. And he knows, amen, that fallen nature. It cannot fulfill. It cannot do, but he still expects it. Amen. He expects, and we're never. I had a man one time come to me on campus. Amen. And we had a banner or sign, and it said that men ought to quit sinning. And he said, well, you can't expect sinners to do that. I said, God expects them to do it. You don't believe that? We're ashamed of the most basic truths of the Bible in this hour. This is a leader. 
a pastor in a campus church. I said, you don't believe God expects you to stop sinning now? Go and sin no more. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Amen. He expects it. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Be ye perfect. Amen. How as your Father in heaven is. For you say that is impossible. With God, all things are possible. This is a supernatural gospel. There's going to be a crisis when you're faced with the reality of what God demands. Amen? And the only way, listen to me, you're going to have to, you know, be emptied of any self-sufficiency and cast yourself utterly upon the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to strengthen you to rise to that impossible standard apart from Jesus. The, uh, the false gospel, though, makes little or no claim upon the sinner's life. But Jesus clearly said, He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Amen. Total su- surrender. Belief with reckless abandon is communicated by the true gospel so that God can be glorified in that redeemed vessel. Notice, why should men give God glory? For the hour of his judgment is come. And that just tells us the everlasting gospel always contains an urgent call to prepare men to meet God in judgment. It's not afraid to appeal to man's intrinsic understanding and knowledge. One day I have to meet my maker face to face. Oh, it looks uh, to that as an ally. It appeals to that in conscience. The third thing of the message, there is an exposing and condemning of false religion. Oh, they don't like that in this hour. You have a critical spirit. I say, absolutely. I'm filled with a critical spirit. I pray that God utterly consume me with a critical spirit. His name is the Holy Ghost. By the way, that word critical is nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere. And yet you think you're guilty of murder. Amen. There's a fault-finding spirit. I realize there's a truth of that. I can strain it in that. Amen. But I tell you what, the Spirit of God is in me to discern and to critique and to analyze everything by the Word of God. And the moment we're ashamed of that, we set aside our discernment. It is a lying demon spirit. And it is all over the church world. They say, I never criticize anybody. I never look to anything. Listen to me. That's a devil. You better critique according to the Bible. Not sinfully, not selfishly, amen, but to discern, to look, amen. I'm not afraid to have a critical spirit. I believe God is critical. In fact, amen, where it says in Hebrews, where he is a discerner, a discerner of the intents of the heart. The closest thing to critical, amen, in the King James Bible or in the original Greek text is that word, it's kritikos. And it's where they get a Latin word that's like critical. So it implies that Jesus is critical. He's the Word of God. You see, they just pull things out. They just string them together. They make it a doctrine. They set it in stone. And everybody comes under. And then there's grave repercussions. Amen. But I can tell you what. Those that are led by the Holy Ghost, those that speak the truth, must expose error and be unashamed to do so. And they're following another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. They got shh. You shouldn't talk about that. Babylon. 
the Babylonians won't be able to receive the gospel from you. You'll offend them. Shh, angel, don't you know better than that? You need to come to our Bible college and we'll tell you how to evangelize. Arrogant, proud, humanistic. Babylon has fallen, has fallen that great city because she made all nations to drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. In the Bible, and you know this, Babylon always represents spiritual confusion, false religion, counterfeit Christianity. It's difficult, listen, to exalt the truth, amen, without exposing what's wrong. How can we proclaim the right without uncovering the error? It's impossible, amen? We have to appease men. Listen to me, if we don't have enough clarity in our message to expose, amen, what's wrong, then we're not showing people what's that's right. You turn the light on in here, the darkness, yes, has to flee. But that means everything in here has got to be exposed. The nature of light is to reveal, but it's also to expose. And God is light. And when light comes, no one can avoid it. If I'm going to reveal Jesus, I must expose sin. There's no way around. To the degree that I'm willing to expose error, that's the only degree that I will reveal the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember we went to Mexico one time, and I was talking to the missionary. We were down there. And he was asking me. He was just discussing it with me. He just said, you know, when they came down here, they told us, you know, above all things, you don't want to just, you know, preach against Catholicism. You don't want to do that. That would be the wrong thing to do. I said, brother, that's the exact thing that I am going to do. They lied to you. Catholicism is what holds them in bondage. God hates it. He hates it. And I hate it. And I'm unashamed of it. You see, that religious spirit wants you to be unashamed. I hate Catholicism. And God hates it. Why do I hate it? Because it brings men in bondage. It brings a reproach upon Jesus. It crucifies Jesus afresh like a thousand other things. I'm just using that as an example. I realize if I go to Mexico and I just get in a mechanical, you know, mode where I say every person I meet, I'm going to bring up Catholicism first. I'm not suggesting that. Amen. Everyone understand. We must be led of the Holy Ghost. But if I get in the mindset, I'm not going to say anything about Catholicism, then don't open your mouth and tell me you're led of the Holy Ghost. Because you're refusing for this. He will say that. I've never witnessed to a Catholic that I can recall that didn't say, I'm a Catholic. I, I, I can't remember talking to a Catholic that didn't bring up their religion because they're bound by it. Amen. You're going to have to deal with men's error. There's nothing wrong with that. Judgment is of God. I said judgment is of God. You know, in the Old Testament, amen, when they did away with the judges, what happened? There was chaos in the land. There's got to be judgment. The Bible says in Proverbs, evil men understand not judgment. It's an evil generation. Judge not, misapplying that verse. Amen. That is a verse that is a truth. Means hypocritical judgment. 
misapplying the truth. It's evil men that understand, not judgment. The true gospel preacher will address the deceptions of the day. He will point out the evils of Rome as well as the horrible horrors and errors of modern day evangelical Christianity in America. He may not major on that, amen, but he's willing to say whatever needs to be said and often it will need to be said. It's in the Bible for a reason. He will point out the evils of Rome, or pardon me, this has always been the apostolic pattern. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 20. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. You realize what he said here? For about a thousand days, he preached, exposing error. He didn't, you think he exaggerated? Three years, 365 days, times three, I cease not to warn everyone night and day. He preached a thousand messages against false religion. That's the apostolic way. It's part of the gospel. The warning of hellfire, Revelations 14, 9 through 11. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Hell, a very unpopular subject in this hour. But it is a biblical truth. But not only here, but elsewhere in the New Testament, God's messengers were never uh, afraid to proclaim His existence. Amen. You know, we were preaching not long ago in front of the Illusions Club, and there was a man on the porch, and he kept, you know, screaming at me, telling me that we were extreme and foolish and, and how awful we were to say the things that we were saying and how we were condemning and judging and so forth and so on. And finally, amen, I began to deal with him, and I told him, on the day of judgment, nobody's going to think that this was too extreme. Nobody's going to say you were too extreme on that day. When you're faced with an eternity in the blackness, the midnight of eternal hellfire, to be cast therein for a million times a million years and eternity has just begun, then you'll probably look back as they cast you into the furnace and scream, where are the lying preachers that would not walk me of this awful fate nobody's going to think we're too extreme by lifting up our voice and taking the most radical measures to warn men do unto others as you would have others do unto you if I know that I'm standing on the very brink of eternal hellfire please somebody amen shake me get in my face do whatever's necessary try to wake me up that's what I would want someone to do for me
And that's what we must do for others. We cannot preach the gospel if we refuse to warn men, amen, by declaring God's judgment against all sin. In fact, avoiding the judgment of God is a mark throughout the Bible of that false teacher. For example, in Jeremiah chapter 23, and what a great chapter in the Bible against false teachers and false prophets. They say, still, unto them that despise me, the Lord Lord has said, ye shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. They prophesy smooth things. They lie. They appease. They don't have the moral fortitude, the courage, the spiritual strength to say what needs to be said. Often it's unconscious. Often, they people, you know, they think, they think they're loving people. What if you went to a doctor, you're ate up with cancer, and he didn't want to give you the plain truth because it would upset your stomach too much. So he just pats you on the back and sends you home to die unaware. What an awful, terrible reproach to his profession. Amen. He may upset me. He may ruin my day. But please tell me my condition. Please tell me my condition. Finally, the response. Amen. The response here of the audience. Amazingly, there is none. We find no response. This debunks the false concept. That teaches, if it's anointed, if it's of God, someone will respond. Men have a free will. And that free will always has... Free will is not the ability to get right with God in and of yourself. Free will is the ability to resist the Holy Ghost. You know, listen to me. The disciples believed on Jesus. But Israel rejected and despised Him. He was despised and rejected. That doesn't mean that we, you know, believe that no one is going to hear the message. It just simply means that we're not surprised when it happens. We've got to believe God for souls. We've got to believe, but you know, listen to me. No matter, the more anointed you become, amen, the, may, the more they may want to kill you. The more they may want to kill you. Amen. But I believe this teaches us another very important principle. We must realize men are never prepared to receive grace until they first see their sin rightly. And this is a very, this is where the evangelist lacks patience to allow God and His Word and His law to bring that heart to a place where it can receive. Listen to me. I can throw a thousand life preservers to a man that's knocked himself unconscious and fallen head first into this lake out here. I can throw him a thousand life preservers, but it's not going to do him any good unless I can arouse him to wake up and see what to grab. Amen? He's got to be alerted. He's got to arise out of his stupor, his slump, amen, his sleep in sin. And you cannot get sinners to cling to Christ until they see that they are perishing. The gospel must be preached in truth to prepare the heart. When men refuse to acknowledge, amen, from the heart, I am utterly 
wrong. There is no right in me. I deserve hellfire. You meet someone who says, I didn't deserve hell. You can know they've never, ever been born again. Never been born of God. They can say, I was opposed to God. I hated Him in my heart. Amen. And I am worthy of the most severe judgment. If you don't meet someone that can confess that sincerely, they're not ready for the grace of God. They're not ready for the grace of God. Charles Finney said, Evermore, the law must prepare the way for the gospel. To overlook this, instructing souls is almost certain to result in false hope. The introduction of a false standard of Christian experience and to fill churches with false converts. John Bunyan, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, said the man who does not know the nature of the law cannot know the nature of sin. And he who does not know the nature of sin cannot know the nature of the Savior. Mr. Spurgeon said they will never accept grace until they tremble before a just and a holy law. This is a lost truth in this hour. I said it's a lawsuit. We just want, we want results. We want it yesterday. We want it right now. We're wanting to, we're trying to get people to pray with us. You know, talk them into something that they themselves are not ready for. Amen. If that heart has that, you listen to me. We understand how universal, how deep the fall is. If that person has not been born again, they do not have the capacity to either love or enjoy God. They must be born again. They must be born again. Not just to go to heaven, to even appreciate the most fundamental aspects of the truth. Amen. We just had a visitor at church on Sunday morning. Came out of prison, came in church. Amen. You know, you sing simple songs like, you know, put on the garment of pray. You know, it doesn't take uh, Einstein to, you know, hear that two or three times. You ought to be able to repeat that. Amen. And folks can't even worship God. I don't believe people like that are born again. I don't believe people like that are right with God. Come on, could you worship God? Could you clap your hands? Could you sing a little bit to Jesus? You hadn't seen Jesus. You hadn't seen Him. Someone has to beg you to worship You can't. You're too proud and stiff-necked just to open your mouth and sing a song to the Lord Jesus Christ. Something's wrong with that. I said something's wrong with it. And that's what you have. People have been talked to. Somebody prayed a little prayer with them. But there's been no great violence done in that spirit to overturn the king of self to dethrone that sin nature that Christ would be Lord and King. Some may ask, Oh, Brother Brad, you call this the gospel? I call it the gospel because the Bible calls it the gospel. Amen. Oh, be careful how you ask that. Amen. God said it was the everlasting gospel. I just repeat what He said. Amen. Uh, You know, you say it. And there's no mention of love. There's no mention of forgiveness. Not even an inkling of the blood, the cross, or Jesus. Now listen to me carefully. No doubt, these aspects are essential to the gospel. We cannot deny that. We know that it's true. I would never deny that. However, the first oracle of gospel preaching is repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And if men fail to acknowledge their sin and they fail to respond properly, anything else is futile.
I'm not suggesting we shouldn't mention the cross. We shouldn't mention Jesus. Don't think for one. I don't think God. We have the other parts of the Bible that qualifies that. Amen. Don't don't mistake me here. But what would the Holy Ghost teach us through this? If they refuse the diagnosis, they're ill prepared for the remedy. And lastly, listen to me. If you or me, we stand on a street corner and we preach. To adulterers and fornicators and drunkards. And we preach, Thou shall not commit adultery. No adulterer shall inherit the kingdom of God. Turn from your adultery, adulterer. Turn from your fornication, fornicator. Stop getting drunk, drunkard. And that's all we say if they don't respond. If we do it with the heart, that if they came and said, what must I do to be saved? We are preaching the gospel. We are preaching the gospel. You remember the rich young ruler? He came to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Just follow me. You know the commandments. That's what he told him. Oh, I've kept all those. No, you hadn't. Sell everything you own. Follow me. And he went away very sad. And Jesus followed after him and said, If you'll just come over here and I'll show you I really am the way, the truth, and the life, and I'll help you, and you can just come. He knew he's not ready. He's not ready. Just come to our Bible study in the morning and we'll have coffee and donuts and we'll really have you can sing. Let's have praise and worship. No, no. He let the law do its work. Stand with me here tonight. Hallelujah. Raise your hands and worship the everlasting God. Hallelujah. 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 Worship the everlasting God. Hallelujah. The everlasting God of the everlasting gospel. Hallelujah. 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 We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We exalt you. We magnify you. Have your way, O oh God, in our life. Teach us to fear you. Teach us, Lord God, to abide under your spirit and your hand. Give us ears to hear. Circumcise us afresh in spirit, in heart. Oh God, we love you. We honor you. Be thou glorified. You're the only wise God. Oh, your gospel is glorious. Your gospel is wonderful. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We magnify you, Lord. You've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. And you've revealed it unto babes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that your Word is true, that your Word is a sure foundation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you make an altar at your chair? Just commit yourself afresh to preaching this everlasting gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just make covenant afresh with Him. I'm going to preach the Word of God. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Give me a burden. Give me a burden to do your will. 
Oh God, any humanistic notions about you and your word, I forsake those things, Lord. Renew my mind, renew my spirit, renew my heart, oh God. Holy Ghost of God, come, cut away the flesh. Oh God, help us pour out the blood upon us afresh. We pray, let the sword of the Spirit cut deep into the quick of our soul. Pour in fresh oil. Give us manna from heaven. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Seek Him while He may be found. Seek Him while He may be found. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.